Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, September 25th, 2023. I hope that everybody had a wonderful weekend, and happy fall, everybody. It is here, um, and I am delighted about that. I don't know if you are, but nevertheless, to say that the weather has changed in Spotswood, Virginia, is putting it mildly. Ooh, Saturday was rough, y'all. We had a whatever that system was that came through and it rained and rained and was cold and windy and what a first day of fall. But nevertheless, we are grateful for all the ways that the Lord has provided, including the technology to be able to do something like this, including a sanctuary like this that is warm and dry so that we can come and worship. Um, and I'm just grateful for you and, and for the opportunity that we have together now. Um, where we find ourselves is in the book of Acts. We're making our way through chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And in particular, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 11. If you recall, the last time we were together, we, we went through the first part of Acts 11, where you have this paradigm where it seems like everybody would be elated by the fact that Peter has had this vision where it, it's no longer about Jew and Gentile anymore. People aren't clean by virtue of their ethnicity, by virtue of their their birth. In fact, not only are we not clean, we're all unclean by virtue of our birth, though not in a Jewish ceremonial sense. We all need Jesus, right? Jesus is the great unifier and the great divider of humanity. Um, Peter had his his vision in Acts chapter 10, um, went to Cornelius' home. Cornelius, of course, was a God-fearer, but he's a Gentile. And, and we have this wonderful transition point where Peter basically comes to the to the revelation from the Holy Spirit that, hey, look, it, it's not just a Jewish thing anymore. Christianity is not an extension of Judaism. Christianity is open to all peoples everywhere across all time. And what a marvelous thing that is, because were that not the case, you and I wouldn't be having this interaction. Um, I certainly wouldn't be sitting in this room you know, uh, built, I think, in 1917, but Old Providence has been here since 1742. We we are testimony to the fact that the gospel goes forth. Every single one of us is is, is a testament to that fact, um, that, that knows and loves the Lord. And it's to his honor and, and glory that we have received the gospel. But somewhere along the way, it it, it, it is the evidence of people taking the gospel elsewhere to others. And so we rejoice in that sort of thing. We do, but when we begin Acts chapter 11, we find out that some don't, namely the Jews, right? They're still dealing with this thing where Gentiles are unclean, where they have to be ceremonially cleansed. If they even come into contact with one, much less eat or drink at their house like Peter did. And so Peter, at the beginning of Acts chapter 11, shares what happened. He, he shares his vision that he received. Um, he shares what happened in Caesarea with Cornelius. He, he shares all of this and he glorifies God. And, and Peter has this grand statement here, right? Um, after considering everything that had happened, Acts eleven seventeen, it says, so if God gave them, this is Peter talking, if God gave them, the Gentiles, the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, talking about the Holy Spirit, who was I to think that I could oppose God? You know, Peter rightly reflect on what the gospel is, that it's the work of God. Nobody can stand in the way of it. Well, you can try, 
But if you do try to stand in the way of the gospel, guess where that puts you? It puts you in that general zip code of the gates of hell is where it puts you. Because Jesus promised that he would build his church, and even the gates of Hades should not prevail against it. My friends, what a marvelous thing we have seen here in, in Acts chapter 11. And, and after they heard this, he received no other opposition. But we find out something interesting that takes place next. Not only does Peter have his vision, we see that the Lord is working elsewhere too. Let's pray, and then we'll see what the Lord did. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time that you have given to us. Please now be with us as we go to your word. Give us understanding, and right here at the start of the new week, we pray your blessings on this time, uh, that it would honor and that it would glorify your name and that it would serve to strengthen us as we focus on who you are, on, on what you have done. For in seeing what you have done, knowing that you are the God who does not change, we know what you are doing and also what you will do. Let us see where we fit in. Please guide us now by your spirit, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Acts chapter 11, we're picking up in verse 19. This is after, well, verse 18. When they heard this, and this is Peter's reasoning as to why he went to Cornelius' home, as to why he's sharing the gospel with Gentiles. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Now, that's zoomed in. We're going to zoom out for a second here and then zoom back in again, because what we're doing is we, we've seen how the Lord worked with Peter. Peter had the vision, right? And the Lord prepared Peter to do what he was calling him to do. But God didn't just do that with Peter. Ah, let's see here. Now, verse 19 of Acts chapter 11, it says, Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, Telling the message only to Jews. All right, time out. What is this talking about? If you rewind and you go back to Stephen, you find out that Stephen is the first martyr of the New Testament church. He was one of the deacons, but he stood up boldly and preached the gospel of Jesus, and they stoned him to death for it. If you were to go back, we won't do that for the sake of this morning, rewind back to the beginning of Acts. You see that after that happened, Christians were dispersed, right? Believers, followers of Christ were dispersed because the persecution was so bad, they ended up going all over the place. As they went, Paul, who was called Saul, rose up, right? You see these things go hand in hand. You see Stephen being stoned to death for his faith. You see Saul of Tarsus coming to prominence, getting permission to go out and persecute the followers of Christ, to arrest them, to bring them back, all these different things. And while this is going on, Christians are scattering here and there and everywhere. And what this group is, is one of those groups. We find out that they went as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Y'all, this is not something that we say, oh, those people. No, 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 no. Remember, this is the very beginning. And at the very beginning, it was by far and wide largely Jewish. Okay, remember where it all begins. It begins in Jerusalem at Pentecost. Okay, so th this is not a statement of indictment against the disciples that were dispersed talking only to Jews. Besides, y'all, this isn't as simple as saying, well, let's see here. How many people are in these cities? Well, why don't we start with the Jews first and then we'll go over to the, to the Gentiles? No, the last couple of times together, we've seen how revolutionary it is 
even that Peter could go into a Gentile house and, and eat with them. Okay, so realize how revolutionary this stuff is. But in the same way, realize that the Lord is working. I'm giving your, you your devotional thought right now. Y'all, our frame of reference is based off of our circumstances, right? And this is not just to do with, with Christianity. That's how life works. Your politics, your, your belief system, everything about you is formed by your frame of reference. Okay, um, the devotional thought for today is, as it relates to our frame of reference, we see what the Lord is doing here and in amongst us, but what the Lord is showing us today is that just because we don't see it, it, it doesn't mean that the Lord isn't working elsewhere. You know, God is simultaneously working through all of his people everywhere to build his church. That's what today is ahead of. And that should affect us. It should affect how we pray. It should affect what we look forward to. It should affect everything to know that God is always working. That's the real devotional thought here. God is always working. Peter would have a vision, and Cornelius would send men to go and get him and to bring him to Caesarea, right? But just because that happened there with Peter, it didn't mean that God wasn't simultaneously working elsewhere. That's what we find here. That, uh, spoiler alert, all right? That, that's what we're going to find. So we have these people that they've gone, they're followers of Christ, right? They're Jewish followers of Christ. Some of them went from, from to, to Phoenicia, some Cyprus, some Antioch, and they told the message of Jesus only to the Jews. Verse 20, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Now, pausing for a second. Y'all, if they received a vision, we don't know about it, okay? But the point is not some sort of vision they received. The point is the faith that we see exhibited here. Were they given, quote, permission to go and tell the Gentiles? Well, not by anybody in Jerusalem not by virtue of some vision they have, as far as we can tell. Instead, what you see here is the natural progression of the gospel, in that if you are saved and you realize the real good news of Jesus, not just that Jesus gets you out of hell or keeps you from going there, but that your life is transformed by Jesus, what we see is that these men are just doing what comes naturally to them. They, they want to tell the good news. I've used this example before in preaching, but I remember back when Hurricane Katrina hit. And y'all, it was just the wildest thing. Maybe, I don't know if it even happened up here. I know it happened down in South Carolina when I, where I was. But when Hurricane Katrina hit, gas prices skyrocketed. This is going to be shocking to you. I remember seeing gas for as much as $3.50 a gallon. Some places even had it for $4 a gallon. Don't get me started on that kind of thing. Nevertheless, you got to rewind. This was, what, 2004 when this happened? So you're talking about almost 20 years ago. Gas prices skyrocketed. And it took a long time for gas prices to come down. And what ended up happening was in the place where we lived, there were two gas stations right across from each other that had a gas price war. 
And y'all, it was on. One day, one of them was 50 cents less than the other. Then the next day, the other one was a dollar less. And gas got down to like a dollar a gallon, which it shouldn't be that crazy given the time. But this gas war was taking place. It was right in town. You know what I did? Told everybody. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I'm like, hey, listen, yeah, you can go down to the BP and you can pay three fifty a gallon. Or, hey, look, these these gas stations are having this price war. Go down there and get gas for a dollar. Right. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So I told everybody. And y'all, that's just the price of gasoline. And you're saving what? Two or three bucks a gallon? Let's say you got a hundred gallon tank. That's only three hundred dollars. Three hundred bucks. And most of us have far less than hundred gallon tanks. Most of us have a fifteen gallon tank, and that's what, forty-five bucks? Yet how excited I got over that. And how willing I was to tell other people about it. Look, we tell people about what we're excited about, right? We, If we believe something's good, we tell people, generally speaking. That's all that you find going on here. As a side note, that's what ought to be going on in here for you, for me. That we recognize the good news of Jesus and we just got to tell people, right? You just got to tell people. As a result, verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Not a great number of Jews, not a great number of Greeks. It just says a great number of people turned to the Lord. It just goes to show you what excitement does. It just goes to show you how effective the message is of somebody who actually believes what they're saying, who has seen it firsthand. Oh, it's good to have a spokesman, isn't it? Yeah, you can think about lots of different ones. I always think about Billy Mays. Remember Billy Mays, right? But wait, there's more, right? And he'd get so excited about whatever product he was selling. And y'all, that's just stuff. I mean, it's it's stuff that the world is full of stuff. The, go to the landfill sometimes. It's full of stuff that somebody just had to have. And I say this with a heavy heart because sometimes I got to have stuff too. It's just stuff. This is life-changing. They were excited. People listen. You want to know how to grow a church? Be excited. People listen. That, that's That's pretty much it. There's no secret sauce. That's it. You want to know how to get Christianity back on track? In, the, in America in particular, be excited. Believe the good news. Tell people the truth. That, that's how to do it. Um, as we heard last week, that's what's going on around the world in places that Christianity is growing. That's what happened 2,000 years ago in Acts. Nothing's changed, y'all. People are still just people. So I think this is a calling for us to examine ourselves. Now, what happened as a result? Verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now, do you remember Barnabas? This is where Barnabas is resurfacing here. We know that Barnabas, if you rewind back to the end of Acts chapter 4, we won't do it now, but go back and read the end of Acts chapter 4, and we find this amazing thing taking place after the sermon at Pentecost, right? Pentecost is chapter 2. Chapter three, James and, and, or excuse me, John and, and Peter end up preaching. They get thrown in jail. The Lord delivers them. All this kind of stuff happens. But as the church is nestling in in Jerusalem there, you see the Holy Spirit working. People are meeting together. They're sitting under the apostles' teachings. And then in chapter four, we hear about how people have begun bringing possessions, how 
how people have begun selling land and they bring their money and they put it at the apostles' feet. And the whole purpose of this is to care for one another, to take care of each other. And a certain Levite named Joseph is mentioned there. But it says that he's also called Barnabas. He's called the son of encouragement, right? That's where we first find Barnabas back in Acts chapter 4. We figure out, fast forwarding to chapter 11, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, is still around. And he's still doing what the, what, what the apostles are telling him to do. And so, again, verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. What happens when Barnabas gets there? None of this, guys, guys, come here, come here, guys. Did you know they're Gentiles? Did you know these people aren't Jewish? Did you know they do things differently than we do? No, none of that happens. When Barnabas gets here, because Barnabas is filled with the Holy Spirit, y'all, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and when you hear about the things that the Lord is doing, oh, it just works something up inside you. That's what happens with Barnabas. And as a result, Barnabas is there. He's proclaiming the good news. More and more people come in. I said it this morning in my sermon. Now, obviously, this is Monday's devotional. I'm recording this on Sunday. But yesterday, if you were here, by the time you see this, it'll be yesterday. If you were here, you heard me say that evangelism is contagious. When you get excited about it and you tell the good news, people want to get in on this thing. That's what's going on with Barnabas. And after this happens, verse 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Y'all, I think that there's something important here. And it goes to everything I've been saying thus far. It's by no mistake, right, that Barnabas is going out doing the encouraging work that he's doing, that he goes and he gets Saul, and he brings them back, and they too become a part of this excitement, right? It, it, it talks about the numbers of people that they shared the gospel with. And what you have is this explosion for the gospel around Antioch. You have people that are changed by Jesus Christ, that are made disciples, and they're going out and they're making disciples. And it's by no mistake that they're called Christians for it. After all, what did Christ do but make disciples? I've got to ask the hard question. And I went back and forth on whether or not I would ask it because it, it, it is terse. It is firm. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to tear anybody or anything down. But if a group of people that is ultra excited about Jesus Christ and who happens to go out and, and they're disciples and they're making more disciples, and it's by that virtue that they are called Christians, the followers of Christ. 
Sometimes we might need to consider calling ourselves something else. Because if the definition of a Christian is one who is excited for Jesus Christ and goes out and makes disciples for Christ, and that seems to be at least the working definition here, y'all, at least in the inception of the term, we got some work to do. And I say we because I mean it. No, there's not a mouse in my pocket. I'm not just talking about me as in we. I'm talking about we as in us, as in all of us. You see, this is our calling. This is why we were saved. I talked, again, I talked about this by the time you see this, it'll be yesterday morning, but I talked about the fact that we're not just saved to have eternal fire insurance. We're not just saved for the virtue of salvation itself. We're saved. We were bought at a price and and we're given a calling. With that calling comes a responsibility and a privilege, the privilege to tell others about Christ. So what's fundamental to being a Christian is to tell others. Verse 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his own ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Now, this is where we're going to pick up tomorrow. This is where we're leaving off. We're going to pick up here tomorrow. But not only do Christians proclaim the good news of Jesus and make disciples, Christians care for other Christians. You know, words have meaning, and words have consequences. If you call yourself something, y'all, the the hypocrite meter from the world goes off the charts. If you call yourself something and you're not, you know, I can call myself a vegan all day long, but y'all know um, that's not the case, right? And, and, and when you do something like that, it's just greeted with derision. It's greeted with, oh, that person's a fake. Christianity has wheels on it. Christianity moves, y'all. Christianity affects not only who you are, it affects what you do and why you do it. That's the message here. And that's where we'll pick up tomorrow. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I praise you for everybody that's here now, that will be here. Um, What a blessing to even have the technology. Father, work in our hearts. Draw us to yourself. Let us see what it means to be a Christian, and let us be faithful. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning, and this will be posted at 6 a.m. Until then, I hope you all have a fabulous Monday or whatever day it is that you happen to find us. Take care.